0: Welcome to the Rad Season Podcast. I'm your host, Ollie russell Cowan. This week I'm chatting to professional adaptive athlete Vasu Sojitra. Vasu was born in Connecticut and his leg was amputated at nine months old from a blood infection which he contracted. After the hospital treatment, his family decided to move back to India to be around family. Throughout that time, he was constantly overgrowing his prosthetic leg and breaking it, so they decided to move back to the US to have access to medical equipment. Growing up, Vasu started playing soccer, picked up skateboarding and skiing when he was around 10. He saw an adaptive skier using outriggers and he convinced his parents to help him buy those. Vasu went on to study mechanical engineering at the University of Vermont and got into backcountry skiing. With the help of some friends, they engineered rigging equipment to help him excel in mountain sports. Vasu is on the US adaptive soccer team, he skateboards, he trail runs, he bikes, he's climbed the Grand Teton, done the first adaptive ski descent of Denali and is the first adaptive athlete for the North Face. Vasu continues to challenge the biases that go with being a disabled person of colour through his work as a founding member of the Outdoor Future Initiative. He's co-founded the Inclusive Outdoors Project and is a disability access strategist. Let's jump into it. Hey Vasu, how are you man? Good, thanks for having me, yeah, appreciate
1: yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. You, you, you've, uh, yeah, just, just come back from a trip recently, haven't you?
2: Yeah, as I was in Mountain Film, uh, and yeah, just tried to share my film that made with North Face last year, it was great, yeah. sharing about disability and how that impacts me as an athlete and how I view my athleticism.
1: And uh, yeah, how, how was it at the event? How, how, how was the film received? And...
2: Oh, people loved it. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it's a short, so it's always tricky because it's piled on with other shorts. But yeah, people loved it and came up to me afterwards just to chat and get to know me a little nice. bit. So, yeah,
1: cool man, good mm-hmm. stuff. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to kind of like if it's okay with you, sort of to kind of jump back into like where where it all started, even like sort of before before skiing, before kind of any of the any any of the sports sort of took place. Mm-hmm. So because because you 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 were like didn't like didn't you grow up in the US and then you kind of you, you went back to India?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite, correct. Quite early yeah. on, right? Yeah. So I was uh, born in the states in Connecticut, and my leg was amputated around nine months old from a blood infection that I contracted when I was younger. And then after the hospital, uh, my family and I decided to move back to India to Ahmedabad, Gujarat, that's on the west side, um, and be around family a little bit more. Um, so we decided to move and uh, stayed there for about five years as I was growing up. And um, throughout that time, I was constantly like overgrowing my prosthetic leg that I was getting made in the U.S. and breaking it or whatever. Um, so constantly had to ship it back and forth, so finally parents decided to move back to the States to be, have more access to medical equipment um, around when I was seven. So that's when, that's when we moved back to Connecticut. Um,
1: Yeah. And, and so what was it kind of, it was, it was mainly to get that medical treatment and then that you guys came back like like as a family and.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was more so to just have more access to uh, prosthetic legs and just, Because I was breaking them or outgrowing them, I just wanted to to have that quicker turnaround. It would take a few weeks or so if I did something in India and uh, we needed a part from the US. And, you know, so it was kind of a process. So we decided to make it a little bit easier and streamline and move to the States instead.
1: Yeah. And um, where did you guys move to?
2: uh we moved to manchester connecticut and then eventually to glastonbury connecticut where they where i pretty much spent most of my um childhood and um formative years
1: yeah mm-hmm. and you and your your, your older brother I've had he he was kind of like sort of trying to get you into sports and he yeah he was I mean, I would, of just like
2: kind of, of, I would mostly just follow him around uh more so than anything and hanging out with neighborhood kids and playing you know playing whatever sports we could imagine from soccer to tag to skateboarding and biking around or what you know you name it so it was just a kind of just like a full neighborhood thing and my brother was part of it and I would just follow him around for the most part
1: was there anything that sort of stood out that you particularly like you know that, that you liked back then would you say um I mean, or is it like would you just do whatever you like yeah you, you could just and... whatever
2: for the, for the most part But you know definitely enjoyed playing soccer. That's definitely a world sport and was doing a fair bit of that when we were in India too. Um, just in, with the neighborhood kids as well. Um, and then, you know, picked up skateboarding and skiing at the same time when I was around 10. Um, okay. yeah. And that was more so, you know, watching TV and watching some of the more extreme sports, like in the X games or, uh, when we were watching just, you know, random shows like rocket power and, uh, movies like Johnny Tsunami just seeing other people that might look like us uh interacting in these sports so yeah, yeah. that's uh, attracted us to that
1: nice and yeah what what was the first skiing experience
2: uh we went to a small hill called Ski Sundown um in Connecticut and yeah it was me my brother and a mutual friend and we just wanted to try it out and of course the first time you try anything we weren't really that good but Um, it was kind of a big, uh, spark to keep trying, um, was in a ski school lesson, didn't really work out. So we dipped from that and then, uh, saw another, you know, coincidentally saw another skier with one leg, um, while I was just lying in the snow for a second. And he came up to me and said, keep going. And then he skied off and it was kind of like a divine intervention. Almost. It was like very serendipitous, um, that that happened. And uh, you know, after that, I started looking up what equipment he was using. He was using what we call outriggers in the adaptive sports world.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
2: uh, yeah, started looking that up and slowly convincing my parents to uh, help me buy those. So yeah, it was it was kind of a cool spark in my life.
1: And, and did you like, did you have them when you, when you, when you first did it? Like, how, how did, how did that work? Like, like, did you have outriggers when you, when you kind of, no, finished, I, just, like, I, I
2: just was using my forearm crutches that okay. I to use. And, uh, I mean, it was working for as good as it could, but you know, ideally there's equipment out there that makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> so yeah, wasn't, didn't have that just yet.
1: Yeah. And then, like, what was all that? Quick, uh, was it sort of like custom made? Like, so, so when you like, like, when you talk to your parents, when you try to convince them to to get the stuff, like, or, or was there kind of something that was already already out there? There is the, like, like what the like 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 what the person was using, right? Like, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So there, there is this, there is something that's already out there, and it's a company based out of Colorado, enabling technologies, and still making pretty similar stuff on that end. Um, but it was a an adjustable outrigger um to my height so i could adjust it as i grew um throughout the years so that was very nice um yeah but slightly expensive more expensive definitely than ski poles so it was uh, tricky to convince
1: yeah but i mean like i mean sort of they could see the passion was there right so they kind of like- sometimes I don't
2: know <laughs> I mean I just like to, I like all kinds of sports. I think people are starting to realize that I you know I'm in on the US amputee soccer team and I skateboard and I trail run and um, bike and skiing of course and you know all that kind of stuff. so I don't know they definitely had hesitant hesitations <laughs> <to sport. laughs> um, they never expected it to go this far of course, so um, definitely definitely
1: unexpected. It's, yeah, and and like with those different sports, I mean, would you sort of say that it was kind of it would just depend on 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 the different seasons, and you sort of look at it going, you know, like obviously in winter uh, when you can go skiing, that would be something that you you would sort of focus on, and then at different times, like with the trail running, um, yeah, I'm super. Like I've just been getting into trail running recently. As sort of like, has this been something that I don't know, like last couple of years, and uh, just getting more like more and more into it i was just sort of wondering if like how you kind of structure it where you sort of
2: no? I mean, I, i'm i love my seasons growing growing up on the east coast it was uh, very seasonal from winter spring summer fall so um yeah very much enjoyed that and most of the summer and warmer seasons i would mostly focus on soccer and playing okay. soccer as much as possible uh but the running as- aspect was definitely a big part of it um i actually just only started trail running like Maybe five years ago, or okay. so. Um, maybe four years ago now. Um, but yeah, similar, you know, similar feeling, runner's high kind of thing, and being able to just be out there, um, moving a little bit faster with lighter weight. But um, yeah, I mean it was, yeah, just the combination of all the sports. It's what kind of keeps me going a little bit. I like, yeah. I like the changing it up, season by season, not getting stuck on anything one. One stuck on one thing,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like you you went to verse, uh, you, you went to university o- over in Vermont, didn't you? And like, was that sort of you know, would you say like you're kind of exposed to kind of more like, like more sports and more, and more things kind of there, or yeah, definitely. I would say, um,
2: you know, taking part in the uh UVM ski club and the UVM outing club, um, connecting with people that were interested in getting out more and um open to helping me uh create more equipment to be able to do so as well. So that was that was really cool. Definitely very impactful in my life as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was definitely a a space where I was learning how to be more more active um in the outdoors.
1: And was that where like was that when you kind of got into backcountry skiing and that sort of mm-hmm. that whole started?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, skiing in the Green Mountains. Um skiing in the white mountains and uh skiing in Adirondacks and going up to uh northern Quebec and the chick Chalks. so all those spaces definitely helped and then you know setting our eyes a bunch of our me and my friends setting our eyes to the west and uh then eventually moving out to bozeman so yeah, it was quite the quite the progression I'd say yeah mm-hmm. and
1: how how did you how did you do it with the equipment like kind of going like off track and
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely a process. There
1: was definitely iterations of,
2: um, how I wanted to ski tour, saw an individual online that was hiking up a mountain with like these little baskets he had made for his outriggers, tried to make those, um, those broke pretty quickly. Then I put skins on the bottom of my outriggers. Um, those worked for the most part, only on harder, harder snow conditions, and then uh, once it was powder, it was definitely more more difficult. So then uh, I went back to the drawing board with a few friends at the Outing Club and uh, made these snowshoe baskets that attach to the bottom. And I've been using pretty much the same ones ever since.
1: And were you, were you guys so we we doing like trial and error and sort of just testing it out? And...
2: Yeah, for the start. I mean that's the thing about adaptive equipment is. Every disability has their own different needs, and um, to get out and d- different mobility um, aspects that impact that. So, um, yeah, it was it was definitely a big trial and error process. And um, if one thing didn't you know hit, we'd go back and try to figure something out that worked better. And yeah, it was it was definitely a process over years. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and 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 that's sort of then what like what became known as your as your ninja sticks, right? I've kind of heard. You yeah I mean, like kids come up to you you said tell them like that's kind
2: of yeah ninja sticks is are definitely like both either my forearm crutches or my my ski outriggers um but then like ninja sticking itself is a different kind of ideology so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of a it's, it's a funny funny way that we brought up that
1: word yeah like how had like so 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 what's the like with, with the ideology i mean like what what's the
2: What's behind uh, that? Yeah, so um, when I moved to Bozeman, I got invited to go ski or go climb the Grand Teton with Paradox Sports, um, an organization based out of Colorado that works in adaptive climbing. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was invited to climb uh, the Grand Teton, and on that climb, uh, my friend and guy who was guiding me and supporting me, Mike um, Gardner, was watching me. Um, go up and um, there's a section called uh, Wall Street and it's kind of like maybe the width of a desk and uh, we were walking on it and he was watching me place my crutches my forearm crutches on the edge of this 2,000 foot you know cliff pretty much and um, just you know came up with like oh man you you look like you're like ninja sticking up here you know just like very precise and uh, placing of your crutches and moving them pretty fast, faster than, you know, most people, other people would move them. So yeah, that's kind of how it came to be. And um, I held to that. And now it kind of is this um, ideology where it's uh, to destigmatize disability in a way and bring some levity to the conversation in, into these heavier conversations that many people might have a hard time talking about. So yeah, especially medical equipment, especially disability and, um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the idea is to just bring a little bit more, um, more fun, I guess, to it. And um, yeah. And every time I tell kids that these are my ninja sticks, they kind of like spark up and want to try to use them or something. So uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> they just grab them off of you. And like...
2: I mean, they like ask and they're like, Can yeah, I, I have them' or like, you know, so um, yeah, it's definitely a cool way to like, you know, break the ice a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm with kind of, yeah. I mean, like, like looking at the stigma of everything and, and like, I mean, you've, you've, you've kind of been involved with, with organizations for, for quite a while. Right. And sort of, you know, like bringing, like, like bringing the conversation open to like talking about it and. Yeah. Um,
2: definitely. Yeah. I'm not, uh, as many people might know me as, I don't really bite my tongue. Um, <laughs> I find joy in dissenting, um, heavily and. um, trying to disrupt some of the status quo. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of been my thing uh, within the past, like maybe half decade or so as I started learning more and more about how people with disabilities and people of color have been impacted in our country. So um, yeah, just trying to, and of course, other marginalized communities as well. So yeah, just trying to uh, voice my concerns and perspectives through what I've learned and uh, through my lived experience, so others can um, kind of learn and join in the movements to make you know again the world a better, more empathetic place is kind of yeah.
1: the end goal and and were you sort of using a voice i mean like was that like then like working working with with brands as as well as like not like non for profits and um within within the sort of outdoor space and w- within the outdoor and it's an adventure community, right, would you say?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's kind of all around. I kind of just created my own values that I wanted to stick to in any relationship that I build. So, um, yeah, it was. it's definitely something I've um, stayed grounded with, um, whether it is a company or a nonprofit or the next person that I meet. Um, yeah, just try to make sure that my values are being aligned in that way. Yeah,
1: and and ha- have you kind of felt that it's sort of evolved? Like, like, I guess you know, like since when you were a kid, and then like now.
2: Um, just building a better focus on what I want to, you know, spend most of my time with, and um, who you know, again, who I want to uh, represent, and um, yeah, it's just been a, it's just been a very just trying to focus cuz because of, of all the things that I try to uh you know fight for is it's pretty broad sometimes but um you know it's building that focus and compartmentalizing that a little bit helps me um you know be a little bit more uh effective or more powerful with my voice at yeah. least mm-hmm.
1: and, and 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 that would be then sort of like you know, not just who who you work with, but like then like what kind of projects you take on and everything like that, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, with the approach, like knowing that it was trying to disrupt the current narrative in the industry or, um, you know, working with North Face or Faction or whoever who are, you know, definitely trying to highlight diversity in a lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, all these different um, standards that I hold myself to and then hold Uh, the relationships that i'm with too as well yeah so and try to vocalize that as much as possible throughout the you know um through that building process between the two parties
1: nice and can you tell us more about the film that came out last year um ascend so so that was that that was by north face and that was kind of yeah like reframing disability right within the outdoors would you say and yeah,
2: totally. So that's the title, Ascend, Reframing Disability Outdoors. And it was, you know, I had a part to say in it um, when it came to um, where the support was going to go afterwards or, you know, providing land acknowledgements, pronouns and all that kind of stuff when um, highlighting the athletes in the land that we were on. And then um, also just focusing on, like, what it means to be a minority in the outdoors. So um, it was... In front of the lens, it was myself, my close friend, Emily um, Zenobia, and then uh, another friend of mine who is, quote unquote, the guide, um, but he quickly realized he didn't really need to guide us, um, Zahan Belmoria. So um, all of us people of color, um, all of us, you know, change makers in the industry, being vocal and sharing different perspectives in the sn- uh, specifically the snow sports world and beyond. Um, I'd say, and, you know, just trying to, um, share a little bit about that perspective more so and, um, yeah, how we, how we move in the mountains and how we view the land that we're on.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, do you feel that it is changing within, within the snow sports kind of landscape? Uh, yeah,
2: I'd say, you know, the, Outdoor industry as a whole is changing a little faster than the snow sports industry. The snow sports industry is still lagging behind. It's still majority um, white populations, especially given, you know, the locations and um, these mountain towns that are also predominantly white and homogenous. So, you know, just, it is taking a process. Um, There are great films out there that are exemplifying that, but yeah, it is, uh, there's still a lot more that needs to be done to try to normalize diversity in the yeah. sports scene.
1: And, and what do you reckon? Like, what do you reckon can be done? Like, how? How? Like,
2: I mean, there's so much more. I mean, representation on all levels, whether it's media or athletes or marketing or CEOs, all that kind of stuff. Board members um, need to be done creating pipelines for the next generation to be able to take part in these sports and into these leadership, um, opportunities, Yeah, Um, you know, changing up their language, um, you know, standing up or fighting for, um, the, you know, many atrocities that are happening in our country, um, as a, as a company, which they totally can. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that will help support a lot of different historically excluded communities. Um, you know, it it they there has to be some intention behind it and some strategy behind it to make sure that uh, these companies are fighting for a just future.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're working like well, you've 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 got a few um organizations which you help co-found, right? Uh, which which is like Outdoor Future and mm-hmm. yeah. um. Yeah. So I. Yeah. So I'm a founding member, core member
2: for the Outdoor Future Initiative, and that's more of a federal policy that we're trying to create to redistribute federal resources and money towards historically excluded communities again, uh, primarily uh, urban, rural, and tribal communities from ethnically and racially diverse spaces. So um, all all intersections. So the gender spectrum and the disability ability spectrum as well included in that. Um, That doesn't go unsaid in our in our work. And then, um, also founded, uh, inclusive outdoors project Mm -hmm. uh, is trying to build that bridge between, uh, mountain sports and again, historically excluded communities, which include, uh, the adaptive or disabled communities, uh, the LGBTQ plus communities and the, uh, BIPOC and racially and ethnically diverse communities as well. So trying to create more representation and more programming for those
1: yeah mm-hmm. quite a bit going on yeah. <laughs> with all yeah. that and then obviously being being a professional athlete as well and...
2: mm-hmm. but all of it all of it again falls into my values my core values um the three of them are uh community land and joy and um you know always trying to uplift my community as i am being uplifted by my community so yeah you know it is it's kind of a parallel process there for me um, there's a quote of, you know, lift as lift, as I climb. Um, And yeah, that's kind of just what I'm focusing on is lifting uh, my community as I climb with my community as well. So um, yeah. And then, you know, focusing on that land side, making sure we're protecting the land and spaces we're on, but also um, making sure we highlight the original stewards of those lands, of these lands. Um, And then, First and foremost, you know, centering joy as much as possible. Um, You know, disabled joy, brown, black joy, native joy and queer joy as well. So, yeah, trying to just make sure that all three of those are in the um, forefront whenever I'm creating these relationships or creating these movements or organizations or um, programming or you name it.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And would you say, is it kind of like trying to balance all those three things at the same time or sort of like one depending on what it is, kind of takes, takes precedence? No,
2: I don't think, I mean, it is balancing. It's um, one doesn't go without the other, I'd say, yeah. um, you know, so once the relationship aligns to all three, that's where I kind of try to um, be as well. So um, there's, yeah, not one without the other kind of thing. Yeah. And that's kind of where my my actions are based as well, is okay. in all three of those. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice one. And what do you, what do you have coming up? Like what what's happening later this year? And um, I just
2: have a few projects that are in the works right now. Um, you know, nothing, nothing to, to find anything that you can
1: talk about, or is it sort of,
2: um, yeah, I mean, I totally, the... can. these are just ambitious goals of mine and um, you know, the approach, the second approach uh, we're hoping to launch in the fall and create a, smaller, um, film circuit with that. And, nice. um, you know, share that with, um, um, film festivals as well. So that's, that's, we're looking forward to, um, you know, highlighting what we did in Alaska this year and, you know, be sharing, you know, sharing, uh, what Brooklyn and Emily, um, were able to do as black women in the industry, um, mm-hmm. being on, you know, Alaskan spines probably for the first time as, you know, a black person or, um, a black woman for sure. So you know, being able to showcase that, showcase that. Um, you know, uh, being like some of the first adaptive athletes myself to ski Alaskan spine. So, but not in that case. But more so, just you know, opening doors for others to be able to view these as opportunities for themselves as well. Yeah. Um. Again, that lift is if lift as we climb mentality. Um, that's a that's a big one that'll be a focus in the fall and. Um, try to, um, you know, share that film a little bit more and then just trying to promote and push different ideas. I want to try to ski, uh, Mont Blanc, uh, um, next year. It was supposed to be this year in May, but, um, Chamonix in France didn't have the best skier. Um, so trying to do that before climate change has a massive, bigger impact on the snow sports community. Where many yeah. of these mountains are going to be untouchable, um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's a few other ideas in the mix, um, but nothing, nothing too big. Just kind of planting some seeds right now. Is yeah. it all? Mm-hmm.
1: And any any other mountains that have kind of that you want to you want to discover? You know, like 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 Mont Blanc, that you want to kind of ski down and. Yeah, I mean, none of these have,
2: these have all been kind of, quote-unquote, discovered. But um yeah. trying to definitely, again, expand the narrative about what access means and what disability means and what adaptive sports means. So, um, yeah, trying to ski potentially all seven of the summits. Um, but that won't happen this year. That'll happen, you know, within a decade. So <laughs> that's going to take a minute. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to... Um, Publicize that a little bit more as as I start building that. Cool.
1: And and what about on the on the other sports? so You kind of like looked at anything for for trail running, or if you, you kind of like, like do you, do you set any goals for for any of these di- different different things?
2: Um, might yeah. So you know, I ran the rut last year, which is a bigger run in Montana, um, pretty big event, massive event. But you know, might start connecting with the UTMB folks. Um, given that North Face has pretty strong connections there. So Mm -hmm. um, maybe do something there. Um, Trail running, I'm kind of, you know, weeding myself out of just because how impactful it is on my body physically. Um, What sort of distances are you doing?
1: Like, or have have you, have you
2: done? um, The most I've done is 32 miles, I want to say. Um, But yeah, a lot of the times it's, you know, short runs from, I don't, I don't really like, mile run that's kind of where i feel warmed up but you know um starting at like two miles to you know 26 miles or 30 miles in between that um, mountain yeah. marathons and whatnot um especially being in montana there's a ton of trails just within driving distance very close driving distance so pretty cool to make all these connectors and loops and stuff like that yeah yeah awesome mm-hmm
1: that's cool and um, yeah so I mean like uh what's the best way like if, if people want to follow if, if they want to follow what you're up to and you know if, if they can kind of sort of sort of look within these communities how, how, how can they support how can they get involved and
2: yeah so um you can check out Outdoor Future Initiative which is at Outdoor Future on Instagram um and then Inclusive Outdoors Project which is at um, at inclusive outdoors project on Instagram, we're mostly, um, Instagram heavy. And then myself in the work that I do is, um, uh, my name at Vasu underscore Sojitra. Um, and yeah, that's kind of just where I'm the most vocal when it comes to forward facing stuff. And then I also do a yeah. lot of behind the scenes stuff. So connecting through that, um, if you want to work with me when it comes to building strategies to be a more inclusive and accessible community. Um, That's kind of what I work on as well behind the scenes. Nice. Mm -hmm.
1: Cool. Uh, uh, Vasu, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. And, yeah, we're definitely going to be following what you're up to. Yeah. Yeah. appreciate it
2: for having me. Yeah. Thanks, man. Cool.
0: Thanks for listening. As always, you can find show notes and links to resources on radseason.com slash magazine. Hit us up on Instagram at podcast. You can follow me on Ollie Russell Cowan. Until next time, thanks for listening.